Who do you want to be as a leader? What are the blind spots you're missing? If you had a magic wand and you could change anything about your workplace, what would you do with it? These are the kinds of questions we explore on Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt. I'm a keynote speaker, emotional intelligence coach, and leadership trainer who partners with executives and emerging leaders who want to achieve extraordinary results for themselves and their organizations. You're in the right place if you're ready to cultivate the self-awareness to be the leader you were born to be. Let's go on this journey together. Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt, and I have another fabulous, fabulous guest coming to you from San Diego. Today, we are going to be speaking with Sabine Gideon, who is the founder of Gideon Enterprises, an advisory and professional development firm focused on supporting organizations and leaders in transforming the way they lead and approach talent strategy and development. During her corporate career, Sabine gained expertise within various HR functions, including recruiting, talent management, and HR strategy. She has successfully navigated frontline HR leadership within a 70 billion Fortune 50 conglomerate and leveraged her drive for results to create and launch programming design to improve the performance of employees and leadership. In 2021, Sabine launched She Leads Network, a professional development and training community for women leaders in response to the overwhelming changes in society, calling on more women to take the lead in their homes, communities, companies, and businesses. Welcome to the show, Sabine. Thank you, Kristen. I swear that last sentence is like the, it always gives me chills because that is just like the awakening of purpose within me. So thank you for that introduction. Oh, and honestly, as I was saying those words, I don't know if you noticed, I kind of paused and I was feeling into them as I was saying them. I was getting the goosebumps too. Yes. Yes. Thank God for the copywriter. (laughs) I think, wait, I think I was the copywriter on that one. It's you, it's you are following your calling girl and it's amazing. And that's where I actually want to start with you, Sabine, because I think it's so interesting to hear about people's journeys, how they got to the work that they're doing in the world. And a lot of times there's different crossroads and you pivot in different ways. And so I love for you to give our audience an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you and your story. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so the journey started in, in corporate America, 2005-ish. Uh, I'd gone to school for human resources based on a suggestion from my ROTC captain, uh, finished out and started at a school locally. And when I first got into HR, like I had no idea, like most people, what I was doing. I ended up in talent acquisition, but I really had the desire to move into the HR business partner role. And that was mostly because as I partnered with the HR business partners, I was like, oh my gosh, they have so much uh, authority and influence. And, you know, they're sitting with the business leaders and making decisions. And I set my eyes on that role. And I remember a manager at the time was just like, yeah, you're going to need about 20 years of experience before you can step into that. And I took that as a challenge. Uh, (laughs) Hey, that's who I am. And, you know, really worked my way through uh, in talent acquisition, talent management, um, took on all the dots, the development opportunities that suck. Um, And, you know, just really 
tried to get to that role, even went back to school, got my master's, and then finally got the role. And Kristen, I kid you not, within six months, I was just like, and probably less than six months, but that that's when I decided, okay, this is definitely not it. Um, I just got to a place where I was just like, this is not, this is not what I had anticipated. And that's one of those moments where I realized that, you know, I had outgrown that vision of that eager beaver at 22, 23, who was just like, I'm going to get to, I'm going to fast track my way to this role. And part of it was the organization um, and the structure around the HR business partner role. But the, the piece that really stuck with me at the time was realizing that I had this desire to, to help individuals, like literally change their lives. Uh, and I know that sounds cheesy, um, but one of the things that I did during my midlife career crisis was ask myself two questions. Um, when have I felt the most alive in my work and when have I felt the most impactful? Um, and there was two situations where I was working with individuals within the organization to map out their career strategy and what steps they need to take next and when I was behind closed doors with leaders and they were human beings and they were vulnerable and they were honest and trusting. And it was in those moments, I, I took it for granted at the time, um, but I realized that, you know, not every leader, regardless of what role they're in or capacity they're in, really feels supported, really has that um, advocate or that confidant that they can go to and let their hair down. And so, you know, once I realized that I had this, this gift, call it the leader whisper or whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, I set out and I, I wanted to support them because I saw that, you know, outside of being at the executive level at the time, now it's shifted, but at the time it was more so the executives got leadership development or they got executive coaching. The middle managers who were dealing with the pressures of, you know, managing their team and then also managing to expectations above them, they didn't get as much support or as much development. So I wanted to be able to be that person, continue to be that leader whisperer, continue to be that confidant. And that person that, you know, really pushed them to step into not just, you know, leadership in terms of their role, but really that identity uh, of a leader. Um, and so that's what I've been doing. I, I became a corporate dropout uh, almost five years ago and have been, you know, navigating entrepreneurship in supporting leaders within organizations and, and uh, people who own small businesses who have teams uh, and just being the best version of themselves in their businesses, in their lives, in their communities and, and everything else in between. I love hearing that story for so many reasons. I think one, it's interesting because there was a part of you that knew the HR even back then, like somebody identifying that, reflecting that back to you. I think they were already seeing your gifts and you didn't necessarily know how that was all going to transpire. And, and I think it's also beautiful that you can have goals and you think this is what you want so badly. And then you get there and it doesn't mean there's nothing cool. Like I talk about this all the time that it's not about the destination. It's about the journey getting there. And people hear that and they're like, no, 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 it is because it's who you become, continue to become and who you grow into and getting to that place where, first of all, me knowing you, Sabine, like not at all surprised with your level of ambition that it was like 20 years, no way that's not going to happen. And so even everything that happened for you in terms of that growth and development, getting to that place where you were already ready to be an HR business partner. But then as you went on that journey, it's like so interesting because then you get there and now you're, you've pivoted because 
you're not the same person you were five years ago, whatever that was when you started to make those decisions. And for people listening, it's a reminder that you have permission to change that pathway at any point, because I, my experiences hear this all the time, whether it's, well, it's too late because I'm already midway through my career, or I'm already in my fifties, I'm always in my sixties. And I tell the story of this wonderful man that I met uh, when I was at a retreat and I was going to be speaking there. And he was just so happy. We were in the kitchen. He was giving the food. And I just said, you look so happy. Like, tell me more about that. And he said, I am because I'm 76 years old and I'm a chef. And it was what I dreamed about doing all my life. And I went back to school and did chef school when I was 74 years old. I tell that story to so many of the leaders I support when they say it's too late. I'm done. I can't shift now. I can't pivot. I've, you know, I've decided this is my career path. No way at any point it can shift. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be as complicated that you're leaving and going on a completely different path. But sometimes that might even look like you pivot and you're going to go in a different area of the business, right? I've seen where people were in sales and marketing and all of a sudden they realize, I really want to do HR and they're doing that later on in their career. And, and so it's never too late to, to, to go on, to follow another pathway, to follow your dreams, to listen to. And I, I, I recognize even hearing myself say that loud, it feels cheesy when you say follow your dreams, but it's true. Like we all have these dreams and desires within us and it can change and you can shift at any moment, but it has to be a choice and a commitment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I wrote down time is a construct as you're as you were talking. And, you know, we we live by time, right? We live by our calendars. We live by everything. And so it is naturally uh, easy to believe that, you know, once you've reached a certain point, you can't start over again. And the invitation that I, I would give to, you know, anyone listening is really think about it. You know, at some point you decided you wanted to be in whatever career path you were on. At any given point, you can make that same decision. Uh, and I always would almost say that the more experience you've had and the more you know opportunities that you've had to transform and you know become a different version of yourself, the quicker that pathway will open up to you because now you have all this wisdom. Now you have this knowledge that maybe perhaps you didn't have it in the past. So I'm really big on encouraging people like whatever that thing is, I had a, uh, it, he's, he's since passed, but it was a pastor and he used to say, do you want to know, or he asked the question, do you want to know where the wealthiest place on in the world is, right? And, you know, of course you're like thinking of places and he was like, the wealthiest place is the cemetery. And he goes on to say that the reason why it's the wealthiest place, because that's where, you know, people have passed away with all of their brilliant ideas, all of their brilliant inventions, all of the things that they could have done and contributed to the world, but they let, you know, fear or whatever else um, stop them. And so there are all those ideas, all that creativity laying in the cemetery. I know that's a little morbid, but <laughs> I say that to say so many of us, and I think that that's the number one regret, right? That people yeah. have that they didn't take more risks and that they didn't just, you know, enjoy or create the life that they wanted. 
Right. And it also reminds me of you get to decide what that looks like for you, because the other part that with the the study referring to, she said that was talking about nobody says at the end of their deathbed, I wish I worked more. So you also get to see, decide what your version looks like. And, and that I'm very conscious of when I talk about life work integration, there is no one version and no one size fits all. Um, We were even talking before we got on a live on the podcast around that sometimes you're working on the weekends and it's coming from a place of um, passion and excitement and focus and drive. And you also know how important it is that you're creating space for rest as well. And it's around you being conscious around the self-integrity and what are you saying and being honest with your word. And that's the word that you're making to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something you just said it sparked for me, you know, this, this whole notion of, especially now, right? A lot of people are looking at their environment. They're looking at what they're doing, right? And they're trying to figure out rather than work being the thing, right? The centerpiece of their life and then fitting everything else around it. It's really a, okay, what is, and I know purpose is a, is a deep and big and broad word, but like, what is my purpose? What are my gifts? What's my zone of genius or my unique brilliance and the thing that, you know, I, I'm meant to do. And the encouragement that I usually give people is, is this visual of imagine an apple seed, right? If you take an apple seed and you hold it in your hands or you take an apple seed and you put it on the windowsill, right? It's just an apple seed. It'll never fulfill the thing that it's supposed to. But you take that apple seed, you put it into the ground, you water it, you nurture it, you give it the sun. What happens? It turns into more apples and then eventually an apple tree and then an orchard. And it just grows and grows and grows and grows. And so I like to I like to encourage the people that I work with from that capacity that, you know, there's something inside of you that you are meant to reproduce. Right. And if you feel that where you are, the environment that you're in right now is not allowing you to, you know, show up as your best self or uh, express (laughs) right? All of the the wonderfulness that is you, ask yourself, am I in the right environment? And that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you have to quit your job or stop your business or anything like that. Sometimes it's just a mindset shift in realizing that, okay, I've been, I've been pressing towards this, but really this is the opening. This is where my nurturing comes from. So just wanted to share that as an additional antidote. Yes, I think that is so important on so many levels. I think of that also as an entrepreneur. And I use that as a frame of reference too. that I'm always out there planting seeds, but I don't know when they're going to grow and at what point they're going to blossom. And I'm not attached to outcome. As long as I'm consistently taking action, that's aligned action that's coming from inspired energy. And it's not about pushing and scarcity, but more from a place of, of love and caring and serving my community and coming from a place of trust so much more powerful around what gets to get what what can be created. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The other thing I wanted to um, talk about one of the threads with what you said there too, which I think is really important. And I think leaders will see themselves in what you just said, Sabine. And I think it's one of your gifts and um, why you found your, your way, the way you did was that ability to get into a room with a leader behind closed doors and create a safe environment where they can be vulnerable. My experiences And I think you and I talked about this one day, people don't wake up in the morning thinking themselves like, I just want to be as disruptive and as big of an a-hole as I can possibly be today and just go around damaging everybody and everything. 
if there is somebody in that category, this show is not for you. There's some other help that you need to seek. But a lot of people, it's, it's, they're not, it's not their intention. They're just not going about things the right way. They don't necessarily have the skills. They don't necessarily have a safe space to talk and share and, and, um, and, and be able to have a thought partner and someone to bounce things off of, and perhaps be able to even get support with coaching and training and things like that. And so I think it's a reminder, as I heard you talking um, and you were talking about the senior executives. I mean, I find in some organizations, it's not just the senior executives. It's it's nobody like they're just getting people rising up in the organization and they're not supporting them with training and development. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts around, you know, when it comes to emerging leaders mid-level leaders all the way up to the C-suite, what would you like to see organizations doing more of in terms of setting their leaders up for success? Yeah, great question. And so we can talk about it from the organizational perspective and and I will, Um, but you know, everything starts with us, right? Us as individuals. And I I think the the recent study that I saw is like nearly 70% of leaders are either burnt out or on the way to being burnt out, right? Because of of the environment, things have changed um, and things have shifted and the demands are great. So one of the things, because I work with so many leaders and I work with um, a lot of women leaders, but also some men too, and, and you know, ambitious, uh, goal-driven, um, you know, they, they essentially want to make an impact and want to make a positive impact. And so the the piece for the individual that I always fall on is, you know, asking yourself, why am I doing all of this? Right. Um, A lot of the leaders that I um, that I coach and develop while they are, you know, powerful in their own right. There are a lot of things that they do that they don't have to do. Right. So it's like helping them transition, especially the we'll call them emerging leaders um, transitioning from that doer to that delegator, right? Like, what does that look like to not be the star in doing and actually being able to leverage your skills to support others to be the one to do? Um, what does that look like in terms of just communicating expectations? Um, you know, we we put leaders or people in leadership positions on such pedestals that we often don't realize or don't even acknowledge that they're human beings and they have their own, you know, challenges and their insecurities and all that other stuff. And so what does that look like to be able to look at what's on your plate as a leader and not go into autopilot of, I have to figure all of this out and I have to be the one to to do it where I'm actually looking around, okay, who on my team can support me in this? And then who can I get (laughs) to help support me, you know, to help support me, the person. I was talking to a coach uh, not too long ago. She's an executive coach and she reminded me of something that I I knew. And now I'm, I'm reminding my leaders that, you know, the higher up you go, the more support you need, right? So if you're having this this mindset of like this independent streak of I got to figure out all the things, then you're setting yourself for, up for failure. You're setting up your team for failure. Um, and that's not what you want. And I won't even get into the defining, redefining failure, but because that, that's another conversation. But when you look at, I, I say, start with you, right? Start with you, the leadership operate, operating system by which I um, support clients is, it all starts with you, right? How are you being? Who are you being, right? Are you yourself aligned with what's important and what's right for you? Then you look at the organization, right? When you, as the leader, 
can identify what your strengths are, your operating in it, your values and whatnot. Then you look at the organization. Do I have the right people in the right seats, working on the right things? And that's where things like succession planning and talent reviews come into play. And so that's been, um, that has been a focus of mine in these, these last few months, really because, you know, as we all know, the, um, in terms of the the gaps in red, I'm sorry, <laughs> gaps in leadership readiness uh, for leaders like that. That gap is only getting bigger, and it's getting bigger uh, in terms of women uh, who are ready to take the the next step and minorities. And so the thing to look at for organizations or people who are in leadership spaces is it's not about, oh, I'm the leader, so I take on more work. It's about, oh, I'm the leader. Here's the work that needs to be get done. How do I look at my organization in a different capacity and look at the people who are in there and start to make these strategic decisions now so that as opportunities become available, we have people who are ready to transition and so succession planning, I don't know about you, Kristen, when I when I used to do it, when I was in corporate America, it was like the bane of my existence. Like it was it was painful. And not only was it painful, it was ineffective. And reason being, you know, you'd have these long meetings, all of the paper, all of the PowerPoints. Right. You'd make these decisions or, you know, declarations about people around their readiness to step into a role. And then it never got communicated to the people that like, hey, you know, you've been identified as X or you're a successor or here are some of the gaps that have been recognized and this is how we're going to develop you in that space. And so what I really, what I'm really seeing as in more impactful and effective way to leverage succession planning is almost really doing it, like using the talent reviews as an assessment, if you will, to determine how are we going to develop and coach this person into that space. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm starting to see some real good traction with that. The, the challenge remains, right, for leaders to be able to take that time away to step back and not be so engrossed. And I know it's easier said than done. So engrossed in the day to day or whatever the fire drill of the moment is to say, OK, you know what, I can spend this time dealing with this fire drill or I can start positioning people to to be able to grow, because as we look at the demographics, um, you know, you have boomers who are exiting and retiring. You have Gen Z who has entered. I think they're about five percent of the workforce and, you know, more to come, but they're also deciding that they don't want to work in traditional work environments, right? And they want to be fast track. Like they, they're giving you six months and there should be a promotion and all these other perks, right? So the question is, as a leader today, what can I start to do to look differently at what leadership means? Leadership is more than just, you know, figuring out how to, how to make the bottom line results or the bottom line numbers. It's really, or operations or anything like that. It's really of how do I keep this pipeline of engaged, talented individuals who will continue to expand and innovate the organization? Yeah, I think what you're saying is so important. And one of my experiences that I um, coach a lot of leaders with when they are going from individual contributor to leader, and actually sometimes even several levels up is uh, the leadership mindset with what you're saying. You're looking at it from a lot of different angles. There is the work that you're actually doing. Then there's the people that you're constantly coaching and mentoring. And just like you said, like taking that step back and then looking at 
what currently is on your team? What does that high performing team look like? And then what do you want to continue to build in the organization and having conversations with other members as well and talking about and sponsorships, we could talk a little bit more about that when we're talking about female leaders as well. And so it's so important that those conversations are happening. I do find sometimes there's this there, it's so fascinating. There's this letting go, right? Cause they're so used to being in the weeds and they're like, Oh, but I'm going to have to let go. And I did it like this. It's like, yeah, but it might feel like a little bit more time up front, but actually the time you're going to save on the back ends, because you're now helping other people learn these skills. And that's part of your role as well. Your role is to help create other leaders. And so they don't get to learn and grow if you're not actually delegating things for them to start working on. So um, I think it's really, really important. And something else I was thinking about as I was hearing you talk is I remember this happening a lot in the pandemic. So many like really compassionate, empathetic senior leaders were really good at constantly asking their team, how are you? What's going on? How can I best support you? What do you need? And they were forgot forgetting to do the same thing for themselves. They were getting so burnt out because they had being so supportive for all of those people, people, individuals reporting into them, but they also had other business outcomes, other things that they were dealing with, never mind just in terms of business outcomes and deliverables, but also navigating everything that comes along with the pandemic. And so I think it's a reminder again, and I, I would be interested in your perspective on this Sabine as well, because I have a special place in my heart for HR leaders and HR executives. And my experience is they are fantastic fabulous at advocating for leadership development and coaching for their leaders, yet they do not advocate for the same coaching for themselves. And it's not an either or. We want leadership coaching happening across the board. My And I, I, I really want to hear what you have to say. My thoughts about this has been that some, there almost might be a perception that they're supposed to be the expert. And as the expert, they're not allowed to ask for help. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> Look, I, I have the badge. I have the the badge for it as an HR leader. Um, a, a couple of things that I wanted to note, though, you know, one one thing that you said in terms of you know helping to grow and develop the team. One of the things that one of the tools that I've been able to use, and and this is me within my organization and getting people to support me because I had that issue, right? And I had that issue when I was in corporate as well. One of the things that I've come to learn is I've anchored it into something, right? So I recognize that, you know, in me trying to do all the things or micromanage or control or anything like that, I am robbing these individuals of their opportunity to grow. And being that growth and development is such a big thing for me, like knowing that that's what I'm doing brings me back to this place of like, oh, no, I can't do that. For some people, it's recognizing, okay, the, the time value return, right? Like, oh, if I'm spending all this time doing it, it's costing X. And, you know, if someone else was going to do it, this is what we would save. So the encouragement to leaders is really start to think about how you're spending your time and what you're doing and how you're developing your team. And you find that thing that's true for you to help you overcome that need or that want or desire to, to be part of it. The other piece around um, empathy that you mentioned, right? Um, you know, we keep hearing that as like, oh, it's the new skill <laughs> to build and to develop, right? And, you know, it's, it's something that's innate within all of us. But one of the things that I, I haven't heard in all of these narratives around like, you know, leaders need empathy, like that needs to be the, the thing that they show up with. 
how is it that we're expecting these leaders to show up and be empathetic towards others when they have not yet learned how to be empathetic towards self? And it's like, it's an unrealistic expectation, right? And it goes back to what I was saying before. That's why I start with the individual because you can't give to your, you can't give to others what you are not giving to yourself or what you're not filled with. Um, and so for the leaders who are listening, who are just kind of like, oh my gosh, like I'm trying to be empathetic. I'm trying to do all these things, right? You know, just understand that that this, it starts with you. You have to fill your cup with whatever it is that you need to be and feel whole in order for you to be effective in pouring that out. Um, and so that, then dovetails into the HR leaders, right? Because in, in an HR capacity, regardless of what role you're in, it's it's a service-oriented role, right? Like you are constantly pouring into people from the moment you step in the doors or you log in to the end of the day. So my my invitation to you is, is first, what are you pouring into yourself first, right? Like, is there a daily routine? Is there a support group? Um, most of the HR individuals that I've um, that I've connected with, it, it is this mindset of, you know what, I should be, I should know this stuff, right? Like, this is what I teach the leaders and I don't think about doing it for myself. But at the same time, I think that there's this, there's this, um, narrative or this notion of unworthiness, right? I, I don't know about you, but when I uh, work with an HR, like we're so focused on the budget. We don't want to spend money. We want to be mindful and all this other stuff, right? And it's just like, okay, if you're, if you're advocating for ex-executive to have executive coaching or bringing these programs in and all that other stuff, why aren't you just as equally deserving to have that, right? You can be more effective in supporting by actually having that experience yourself. And I've had some uh, individuals, especially HR professionals who I've coached and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe <laughs> I have never considered doing this for myself. And I'm like, you're, you're one person supporting maybe hundreds. Why not you? Why not you getting that support and that development, someone pouring into you or reflecting back to you, you know, your greatness and your zone of genius so that you can be more effective? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's the beauty of coaching. There's no area of the business or no position that can't benefit from coaching. And I always uh, articulate the same thing when it comes to getting to this place, like I do coaching because I believe in it wholeheartedly and I will always work with a coach as well. Variety of different coaches on my journey for the rest of my life for the same reason, because you're never done. You're as there's like one level and another level, another level, or I talk about the, the onion. It's like, you take one layer and it's like, Oh, here's another layer and another layer and another layer. And that's great because you're constantly evolving. And as you figure out one area, then you start to identify another pattern and another pattern and another pattern. Um, and the beauty of, of it isn't that it's not somehow a weakness. I think it shows incredible strength to be wanting to go on that journey, because as you and I both know, the inward journey is where you're going to feel the most fulfillment and connection to yourself and others. So I consider it such a brave and courageous journey. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, Kristen, but even when I get uh, clients who are coming because of like some performance related challenge, right? Like they want to show up differently at work. I I'm a true believer of that, that statement of, you know, how you show up one way is how you show up every way. And so it, it, it never is just about, okay, you do 
A plus B and that equals C, and these are going to be your results at work. It's, it is that decoupling of what's really going on inside of you, what's going on inside of your mind. And then also, let's take a look at where else this is showing up. Because I have never not had a situation where, you know, where they were struggling in one area that it was not this, like the same in different areas and different aspects, maybe not showing up exactly the same, but it's just like, you know, our, uh, us as human beings, we can't compartmentalize who we are. We can't compartmentalize our fears. We can't compartmentalize any of that stuff. And so the power in working with a coach and, and going back to the bio that you read, that it's not just about, hey, I'm going to perform better at work or I'm going to, you know, negotiate my next uh, my next raise a little better. It's I'm going to build the confidence to advocate for myself. And that's going to show up in your household. That's going to show up in how you interact with, you know, those who you love and care. Of course, that's going to show up at work. That's going to show up everywhere. And so really looking at coaching as a holistic gift that you can give to yourself. Now, if you're, you know, maybe if you're going for like sales coaching, like there's a skill set that you're going to learn. But even then, you're getting insights into, you know, what are your beliefs about money? What are your beliefs about worthiness? What are your beliefs about your time and your, the value that you bring for your skills? Um, so look at coaching as this holistic gift that allows you to explore how, you know, what you think and how that is playing out in all the various areas of your life. And then taking that and then making changes um, incrementally uh, or incremental changes <laughs> in the different parts of your life. Yes. Yes. Said so beautifully, so beautifully, Sadeem. When it comes to uh, women in leadership and female leaders, I'd love to hear your thoughts around how can we best support? And we're going to take this again from both angles for both at the individual level, like what could women do more of to, um, or, or even from your experience, where are some of the ways that you see perhaps women getting in their own way without realizing it and what they might want to be thinking about in order for them to continue down their career journey. And then at an organizational level, and you know, this podcast has both men and women and all individuals from a diverse perspective. So I don't even want to say men and women. Um, we have a lot of people from the LGBTQ plus community as well. Um, but I'm curious around whether it's somebody listening and thinking about how they can be an ally for women or even the organization, right? What can they be thinking about in terms of making sure they are building a pipeline with more female leaders. My dream is to have more females at the very top as CEOs, because I think if we can have more CEOs, female CEOs in organizations, I think the world needs it. I think we will see huge, huge shifts. Um, so from both ends, and I, I know this is a work in progress, so it can feel like a really big question, but there's a reason why you felt so strongly compelled to create this community to bring female leaders together. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for that. So on the first part, right? Like, so how are women getting in their own way or, or what are some of the things that they can do to, you know, break through, whether you want to call it the ceiling, the cliff and all the other things that are happening, right? So there's four places that I've really identified uh, throughout my career, not just uh, as a coach, where I feel like we have opportunity, right? So the, and I was just talking to um, someone about this last week. I remember when I first started in uh, HR, one of my managers, she was, she wasn't the CHRO, but she was the, um, the head of HR for that particular business unit. 
And she gave me a copy of the book, uh, Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. Um, and I still have that book. And it talked about like, you know, women uh, having the candy dish at their desk or women being the ones to volunteer to to plan the parties and all these little things that, you know, naturally were either delegated to the women and or the women took on. Right. And so it was giving this insight around like, hey, when you're there, be this business person and be this professional and be da 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 and, you know, not do these like girly things. I have my thoughts on that book now. At the time, it, it, it kind of made sense to me, but I have my, my thoughts on that book. But one of the key things, too, is that, you know, within that, it talks about how we like to take on all the work, right? And um, I've talked to so many women, so many uh, ambitious, accomplished women, where the mindset is, I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to just do the work and someone's going to notice me. Well, the truth of the matter is when you put your head down and you take on all the work, the only reward you get is more work, right? You may get some recognition and some acknowledgement for that more work, but that's what's going to happen. And so really shifting that mindset into, okay, there's the work that I have to do, right? But I have to look at this holistically. I have to look at my career holistically in terms of who do I need to support me? And that's the place, the the asking for help and the ask and getting support from the right people. I feel like that is a place that we are continuing to evolve. And so I have this thing, I, I call it the success circle, right? So I always challenge um, my my clients, you know, think of your success circle, right? Just like any any athlete, any star, they have an entire team of people around them making them successful. You deserve that as well. And so your success circle equals or will include your mentors, a sponsor, someone in the organization who can advocate for you, people outside of the organization, your peers. I always recommend a coach, right? So you want like this, this uh, bubble of people who you can go to for different situations. So inside the organization, who's gonna be advocating for you during those talent reviews, right? Who's gonna be advocating for you when a project is coming down the pipeline and they know that this is your skill set, or they know that this is the thing that you wanna do and they're going to call your name up. And so, you know, really the networking piece and, and this is for the introverts and extroverts, right? You know, networking doesn't have to be about like being in a room with a whole bunch of people uh, trying to remember your elevator pitch, but it's about getting clear on where you wanna head in your career, identifying the people whom you admire, who are maybe at that place or maybe who can, you know, serve as mirrors for you when, you know, when you're not so uh, confident and letting them know this is what I'd like to do. And this is how I see you supporting me. Um, I think the other challenge that I, I have seen with some clients is that they'll, you know, they'll reach out to somebody and they'll be like, hey, I'd love for you to be my mentor. Like, I'd love for us to have these like skip level meetings or like uh, quarterly things. But it's, when they get together, it's kind of like, hey, how's it going? What's new? I'm working on this project. I'm working on this project. But that person, you walk away and that person doesn't know what their responsibility is or what the expectation is for that particular relationship. So not being afraid to say, hey, I'm looking to get to X role or I'm looking to do X and this is how I can, uh, this is how you could support me in that. Um, having that conversation. The second one is really around advocating for self. Um, and that could be in the form of, you know, salary negotiations, asking for um, uh, promotions, asking for resources. Uh, this goes back to the 
I'll just take on all the work and I'll figure it out. And I'm working 12, 15 hours and I'm miserable. No, it's, it's, but being afraid to have a conversation and saying, hey, if you'd like to get this done, what would be helpful is if I had some support in some capacity. But again, this conditioning of, or this mindset of we have to do it all ourselves, I feel like that's a big hindrance. Um, and then the last piece is really just getting to a place where we are actively building our personal brand. Um, and I know that personal branding like has a whole bunch of different connotations, right? And the, the thing is, you know, at some point we're going to leave or you're going to leave the organization you're with or you'll advance or something will happen, right? At the, you, know, you know how they used to say like your, your word is your bond, right? Your brand, right? Not just what you do, but who you are, how you show up. I think a lot more professionals, leaders especially, um, are starting to build their brands and you, leveraging platforms like LinkedIn because at the end of the day, we know, um, and this is not to, to spread fear by any capacity, but we know that you know, unless it's your own company, like a decision can be made at some point where you're no longer there. So to hedge against this, I am big proponent of don't wait until you need the network or don't wait until you need people to know who you are and what you do. Start building that now. Like start, like think of yourself as a company and look at, you know, where your opportunities are to start building and branding so that as you grow, as you develop, more opportunities come to you versus you having to be the one to seek out opportunities. And God forbid, in a situation where, you know, you're, you're frantic and emotional and everything else is happening. Um, so those are kind of the things where I work with the women within the network. Um, it's really around less about the work that they do. And of course, the leadership piece. But, you know, how are you looking at yourself strategically and the skills that you bring to the table? And then how are you building this ecosystem essentially to support you and your success and your goals? Um, and then from an organizational perspective, just going back to what we talked about with the talent reviews and succession planning, right? We see uh, women at the senior level or just, just like at the cusp of C-suite, walking away and saying, no, I don't want this anymore. This isn't what, you know, similar to what I did. This is not what I envision. And so now you have a gap. I think they said for every, I was reading some article, they were like, for every one woman who leaves the C-suite, right? It's actually like a two-person gap um, because it takes that much longer to find another woman to fill that space. And so this is the opportunity for those who are in organizations, you're doing talent reviews, right? Let's let's do the talent reviews holistically, right? Make sure that we're identifying the next in line and successors, or if they need, if they have gaps, identifying what those gaps are. But then let's take the, the next step and say, okay, we can create these programs that allow us to fast track or to accelerate. Uh, women or minorities or underrepresented groups so that they can move into the roles that they need to. There are, there are whole industries where, you know, you especially like tech and even healthcare, where you it's not a it's not a lack of talent that they that they have at those senior levels. It's just that everybody is like clustered into like this you know, one to three year, like level, um, maybe not level, but like, you know, at a lower level of the organization, and there's no 
there's no formal structure to help move them along into the next space. Um, and so there's just so much that can be done. Uh, but for individuals, it starts with you. It starts with you learning how to advocate for yourself and building that, that circle. And then for organizations, it's really about looking at holistically, what do we want? What do we like? Are, are we going to stand behind our statements? Um, and how do we create programs that actually allow us to live out what it is that we're saying that we are? I mean, I think what you said here is so important and, and I always like to position it from both sides. I think there's lots of times where women are not necessarily um, putting their hand up, having visibility, having daring conversations, asking for what they want, making sure that they're advocating for not just themselves, but others as they work their way up in the organization. And I think that the talent pipeline is critical. And I think it's important and imperative for when people are leaving the organizations to try to have extra interviews, to be constantly getting data to understand why did they leave? What were we not doing well for them? What can we be aware of so that we're mitigating that in the future so that those same those same challenges are not happening, right? As you said, is it okay? Yes, we want those people having conversations around the fact that they're under-resourced, but what can the organization even be aware of? Okay, what do we see? They're leaving because they're burnt out. Okay, there's a problem here. What are we going to do differently around that? Oh, because they're going on maternity leaves and they're coming back and they don't know where to go and there's not. Okay, that's something that we need to be making decisions around and making different choices. So I love what you're saying, Sabine, you and I could talk for hours. You have so much incredible insight and I want you to let everybody know where they can find out more about you so that they can be listening to your podcast, checking out your information on your website as well and get to know you. Yeah, thank you for that. And and the other thing that I would, I would say just on, on what you just said is let's not wait until they're leaving. Right. Let's have stay interviews like I, I've, I've seen a lot more companies like just focusing on let's let's ask the question before they leave. What would cause you to leave? Yeah, um, so that's another tip. You know, if you're not implementing stay interviews, definitely. Um, yes. You yes. It's um, an either or a hundred percent. So there's stuff that you're wanting to be constantly doing in terms of asking questions. And then the ones who leave, that's a surprise. Make sure you're trying to get data there data at all times, constantly serving and asking questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, so as Kristen mentioned, I have a podcast, uh, She Leads Now, where we talk about this stuff uh, <laughs> for the most part um, and bring on, you know, women uh, leaders, women experts to speak to, you know, more so not necessarily just the challenges, but how we're moving forward, um, how women are stepping into their leadership identity and leadership power and they're making waves because, you know, we can't all make the 25, uh, the Forbes top 25 list. So I love to be able to highlight the women who are, you know, advancing uh, or plowing through for the next generation to be able to have a smoother ride or path, if you will. Um, you know, for those who are listening, if you want to connect, LinkedIn is my space. Please feel free to connect with me there. Let me know you heard me on the show. Um, I'd be glad to, to connect with you. And then, of course, for She Leads Network, for those who are, are women who identify as women who would like some additional support and the community and the collaboration and accountability, um, you know, please check out She Leads Network at sheleadsnetwork.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here today, Sabine. Thank you, Kristen, for having me. And for everyone, wherever you are in the world, we're saying good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sending tons of love. Bye-bye.
Please remember that meaningful change requires space and grace. Practice self-compassion and become the ripple. As you transform yourself, you transform your workplace and the people around you.